0: Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. With the onset of COVID 19, the church has been flipped upside down and has entered into a rebuilding phase. So, we have turned to Nehemiah and the story of God's faithfulness through rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem to find hope. We hope the Lord quiets your head and heart to hear truth and be challenged through his word. Without further ado, let's dive into Pastor Ed Derner's message. Good morning, everybody. Would you join me in just saying thank you to the band? Awesome job today. Uh, Grab a Bible and start turning over to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start there first, uh, and then after that we're going to uh, go into Nehemiah as we continue our study in the book of Nehemiah. And uh, while you're turning to Ephesians, uh, I'll just uh, read to you a story that somebody sent to me that... uh, It might not make sense at the beginning of the message, but hopefully by the end of the message you'll understand where it fits into our message today. So I heard about this man that called the church office. He said he wanted to speak to the head hog at the trough. The secretary was offended. I think their names were either Jackie or April. She said, if you mean the pastor, you're going to have to call him pastor, but you may not call him the head hog at the trough. He said, well, fine, but I was thinking about making a $10,000 donation to your church. She said, hang on, Porky just walked in. (laughs) (laughs) You'll understand later on as the message goes on, as to why I thought that would fit and kind of cute to start out. I want to take you back to a time in your relationship with Christ when it was just beginning. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, I don't know if I really know Christ yet, and that's okay. Uh, I'm glad you're here that you can begin to explore your relationship with Christ. But for those of us who are believers in Christ, there was probably a time in your life that your relationship with God became very real. There was a time that you probably looked at the Scriptures, you heard something that it finally clicked, it finally made sense, and it was something that was newfound, almost like a new relationship that you were just like, oh my goodness, for me that was in college. Uh, even though I grew up in the church, for me it was in college when I, I uh, opened up the Word and I began to really understand for the first time, and I devoured the Word over the next three months, and I had to find out more about who God Was, And I was on a hunt and a search in the Scriptures. In fact, I can tell you that's why I'm here in front of you today because at the end of those three months, I asked God if if He was willing, could I spend the rest of my life helping people understand who Christ is and help them to understand this book better and how it applies in their life. And that's why I'm here today because of what God did for me when I was in college in my room. So we're going to start in the Word of God today because we're talking about in Nehemiah a a newfound relationship. You might recall for the Israelites, they were banished. They were in Babylon. They were there because of their disobedience to God. They refused to follow the Word of God. And they drifted away from, from the Word. They drifted away from their relationship with God, which is actually very common even today that there's a natural drift. You have to understand this. There's a natural drift away from God. It's almost like you're on a river and you're in an inner tube and you're just slowly drifting away from God. And if you do nothing, you will eventually get very, very far away from God. And so it takes an intentionality to actually like start paddling and opening the Word and saying, I want to draw closer to God because our human nature wants to rebel against God Our human nature wants to reject God because we want to be God ourselves and we want to determine right from wrong. And so there's this natural tension between us and God and we're going to naturally drift away from God doing our own thing, not wanting to be accountable to God. And so there's that that paddling on a daily basis Praying, reading the word and slowly you have to keep paddling back and if you don't you're going to find yourself very far from god that's what happened to the israelites and where finally god said if you're not going to come back i'm going to banish you and they were banished for 70 years in babylon and then god through nehemiah um, called them back to jerusalem and uh, i'll just show you the map this was um, a long truck uh, a very long journey from like Baghdad and Babylon is just south of Baghdad. You can see uh, if you walk, it would take you 224 hours to walk non-stop to go from Baghdad to Jerusalem. And they made the journey back. Then you might recall they rebuilt the walls. They rebuilt the temple. That was the book of Ezra. Now under Nehemiah, they rebuilt the walls. And it was the first time that the people of God actually could gather For worship, and I know we've talked about this. So let's start with Ephesians 2 first, and I want you to find verse 8, because hopefully at some point in your life you came to understand this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In other words, we can take no credit for our salvation. Zero. The only thing we can take credit for is drifting away from God. From sinning sinning against God. Rebelling against God. And God in His mercy saved us, showed us grace, brought us into this relationship with Christ. And if you remember that, go back to that time when it happened in your life how excited were you about this new relationship with Christ and that's what you'll understand now you can go to Nehemiah uh, chapter 9 we're going to start in you're going to understand that for the Israelites it was a new found faith it was a new generation of believers in God i don't want to say in Christ yet because this is before Christ this is bc but they were new believers that for the first time, unless you were over 70 years old, you had never gathered as a community of believers. And now you gather together, you might recall, a couple weeks ago, they listened to the Word of God for the first time, and they wept, because they had never listened to it in a community before. Then they followed the Word of God, they found out about this Feast of Weeks, meaning they're supposed to build these shelters on their roof and live in them for a week, reminding them of when they left from Egypt and then last week they were repenting of their sins and now we're going to go on. So chapter 9, I want you to find verse 38. So after they confessed their sins, verse 38. In view of all this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders Our Levites and our priests are fixing their seals to it. So as a new generation of believers, they made a commitment to God. Not just any commitment. Um, Now you can read all the people that put their seal of approval on this. Now jump to verse 28 of chapter 10. The rest of the people, priests, Levites, gatekeepers, musicians, temple servants, and all who separated themselves from the neighboring peoples for the sake of the law of God, together with their wives and all their sons and daughters who are able to understand, all these now join their fellow Israelites, the nobles, and, here it is, they bind themselves with a curse and an oath, to follow the law of God given through Moses, the servant of God, and to obey carefully all the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord our God. That's pretty incredible. Would you be willing to do that? I mean, just ask yourself that question. Would you be willing to bind yourself with a curse and an oath, a promise and a curse if you don't do it, that you are going to learn the Word of God, study the Word of God, obey carefully the Word of God, and if you don't, may you be under a curse if you choose not to do that. I'm venturing to say some would be like, I'm scared to do that. Why? Because our nature wants to do our own thing. But they bound themselves... They bound themselves to the Word of God. That's how excited they were. And they wanted to know what God said. And then they wanted to fulfill it. And they wanted to live it out the way that God designed them to live. That was exciting for them. I want to contrast this with my greatest concern right now with COVID. My, my number one, my greatest concern, when COVID hit... of people never went online. So take churches that that were gathering for worship. All of a sudden, COVID hit. 50% gone. Instantly. Didn't go online. Didn't do anything. Were they in in their Bibles? The research says they were not. They just took a pause on God and studying God's Word of those who went online 40% of them went somewhere else to a different church online but here's my fear that's going you're going to hear we now have a famine in the younger generation because unless parents took on the responsibility to Open the Bible up with their kids, their kids are getting no instruction in the Word of God. We have wonderful Wednesdays. It stopped in March. We were done for the year. But is it going to happen this coming year? We don't know. There's usually about 150 kids, 175 kids. We know about 25% of them are churched. The other 75% are not churched. Now they are going to get They were only getting one day a week. But now they might get zero coming from these unchurched households. What about those believers in Christ who say we're believers in Christ, but when COVID hit, we went into survival mode, but we didn't take the time to start instructing our kids in the Bible because we couldn't bring them on Sunday and say, hey, church, could you help me out here and instruct my kids in knowing who Christ is and modeling Christ?" and open up the Word and teach my kids the Word. Now they didn't have that on Sunday. We don't have that right now. Which means if parents aren't doing it, then the kids aren't getting instruction in the Word of God. Our kids today, I mean, we're looking online. I mean, our kids today with their parents watching online, being instructed, at least listening to at least a message, Are they they watching TV or watching other Bible teachers or online with us? Are parents doing something to make sure that their kids are hearing the Word of God? Because if not, we're going to see in the very near future, we're going to see one of the greatest changes because kids won't have anything to go back to. See, parents who choose not to go to church or parents who choose not to open up the Word and listen to the Word, and grow in the Word, you hopefully already know Christ, okay? And we might say it this way, I don't mean to be offensive, but it's kind of like we get fat in the Word, fat in the Word, fat in the Word, fat in the Word, and you've got enough fat in the Word of a whole lifetime of learning about God that if you go through a famine, you've got a lot to live on. You mean, you could, you could survive for a long time. Because you know Christ. You know God. You're learning, you've learned about God. So if there's a famine in your life, you're like, you know what? It's probably not healthy for me not to be growing, but I can, I can weather this because of my relationship with Christ. Now take a child who doesn't have that. They don't have that. Where are they going to get it? And my fear is they're not getting it. They're not getting it anywhere. We already know, this research came out in the last year, that the number one growing people in America in terms of religious affiliation is called the nuns. When you write the sentence, what religious affiliation are you? Nuns have increased, now they're over 50%. It's the largest group in America of religious affiliation is those who have no religious affiliation. Give us 10 more years of this. So what's going to happen in the future when this generation doesn't know who Jesus is? What does it mean for them? And what do they have to fall back on? So as we go back to this in Nehemiah, they bound themselves with a commitment to follow God. They loved the Word of God so much that they made a commitment to follow it. Boy, I hope today, I hope if anything, it just like wakes up in you a desire for the Word of God that you would spend time every day. And we have no excuse today. We've encouraged you to get Version on your, on your phones. Most of you have a smartphone. Get Version. You can even click a plan and say, remind me every morning at this particular time. And it'll remind you on your phone, it's time to have a devotion in the Word of God. There's no excuse today for not opening up our Bibles. We have them on our phones, we have them everywhere we go. Are we taking advantage of it? Okay, second thing I want, want to pull off from this let's go back to verse 28. So the rest of the people, priests, Levites, gatekeepers, musicians, temple servants, and all who separated themselves from the neighboring peoples for the sake of the law of God. Okay, now jump down to verse 30. We promise not to give our daughters in marriage to the peoples around us or take their daughters for our sons. When the neighboring peoples bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on any holy day. Every seventh year, we will forego working the land and will cancel all debts. I I don't want you to see this as they were isolating themselves. They were not isolating themselves from the general population. What it was, here's real simply, this is kind of like real high-level Bible history, is that God's people by nature have always drifted away. I told you that. That's why the flood came. God regretted He was sorry that He had made humankind and wiped us out so that He could slow sin down, but there was just this pressing desire to go away from God. He promised He'll never flood the earth again. Then the promise of the Savior was, was coming, that Jesus would die for our sins, forgive us for our sins, so that God could declare us righteous and forgiven. All right, but as sin kept spreading... God chose a different way of, like, let's try something different. So far, nothing's working. I Meaning, if you remember, this is why uh, they went to Babylon, where we call it Babylon, because that's where all the languages were, were um, created. There's over 5,000 languages created in the world, 20,000 dialects. God spread us over the face of the earth. He was trying to slow, uh, slow the spread of sin, but it kept going so rampant. So God chooses Abraham... When he chose Abraham, very simply it was for this reason. That I will have a covenant and a promise with Abraham and his descendants who we now call the Jewish people. That God said, would you please, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you, raise up your kids to know God. Teach them the word of God. Teach them the word of God. And that's, it was the same thing. He wanted them to know the word of God. And so they were separating themselves willingly from the rest of the world to live differently now today the same concept is true of christians god has called you and i as believers in christ to be different not to isolate ourselves from others but to not be like the rest of the world God says in marriage, He said believers should never yoke themselves or bind themselves or get married to an unbeliever. Why? Because an unbeliever can take the heart of a believer and and stray away from God. God's called believers in Christ to live differently. He's called us to follow the Word, to love people, love God, love others, keep it simple. And He wants us to love others so deeply that, that the world would see they're different. Christians are different. They live by a different standard. They live by different measures. They live by different morals. They have a moral compass in their life that goes right back to God. That's what God is asking believers in Christ to be witnesses of Christ by the way that we live. So it was no different for the Jewish people that they were just saying, we're not going to intermarry with unbelievers, that's what this was about. And when these unbelievers come in on a Sabbath and the Jews were instructed not to enter into any commerce on, a, on the Sabbath, that when these merchants who are unbelievers come in to sell their merchandise, that the believers would say, we're not going to violate the world of God and the law of God, and we're not going to buy from them. We just won't do it. That's what this was about. It was a desire to live the way that God wanted them to live. Is it any different today that God says, don't stop meeting together, that believers take time on Sunday morning and say, I'm going to gather around the word of God, I'm going to gather around communion, and I'm going to gather on the fellowship of other believers so I know I'm not alone in this world. That's the same thing. God's calling us out to follow him. Okay, third thing I want you to see now. All right, verse 32. We assume the responsibility for carrying out the commands to give a third of a shekel each year for the service of the house of our God, for the bread set out on the table, for the regular grain offerings and burnt offerings, for the offerings on the Sabbaths at the new moon feasts and the appointed festivals, for the holy offerings for sin offerings, to make atonement for Israel and all the duties of the house of our God. We, the priests, the Levites, and the people have cast lots to determine when each of our families is to bring to the house of our God at set times each year contributions of wood to burn in the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. A second time, we also assume responsibility for bringing to the house of the Lord each year the first fruits of our crops and of every fruit tree, as it is also written in the law. We will bring the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle, of our herds, and of our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests uh, ministering there. Moreover, we will bring to the storerooms of the house of our God to the priests the first of our ground meal, of our grain offerings, of the fruit of all our trees, and of our new wine and olive oil. And we will bring a tithe of our crops to the Levites, for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all the towns where we work. A priest descended from Aaron is to accompany the Levites when they receive the tithes, and the Levites are to bring a tenth of the tithes up to the house of our God, to the storerooms of the treasury. The people of Israel, including the Levites, are to bring their contributions of grain, new wine, and olive oil to the storerooms where the articles for the sanctuary and for their ministering priests, the gatekeepers, and the musicians are also kept. We will not neglect the house of our God. Pretty incredible. Not only did they commit themselves to the word of God, they also were reminded to be separating themselves the way the world lives, to follow God. But now they were assuming the responsibility. I love that, twice. They assumed the responsibility and said, we're going to give generously according to what God says. It wasn't something that you don't read in here that, oh, we have to do this. It was a desire. It was just like, wow, we've never gotten to do this before. That was pretty pretty amazing. You know, remember when they lived in Babylon? Um, They weren't allowed to gather. There were no houses of worship. There was no way for them to contribute. And now when they're gathered back in Israel, it's just like now they get the opportunity that they get to support the ministry and they get to support um, the house of God. We're we're not going to neglect the house of God. And they got to do that willingly. Notice that they didn't bring leftovers. They didn't bring like, yeah, I probably have a little left over I could bring that what you hear is that they looked at what they had and they said we're going to bring the first to you God why because we want God to be first and you know what our you know what our offerings are it's an expression for us to say God I'm going to give the first to you the best to you I'm going to write that first check to you before I live on the rest I want to write the first check to you That's an expression of my love for you. It's incredible that they got to do this. It was just another expression. See, it starts with the Word. Loving the Word of God. Why? Because it's through the Word of God that we get to know the author of the book. See, let me me help clarify this. I think I've shared this story with you. But it might help to understand this. So a woman uh, was reading a book and she recommended to her friend to read the book. And this other woman took the book, read about two, three chapters of it, uh, didn't like the book, and uh, put it down on a coffee table and never opened it up again. She didn't like it, she didn't read it. So months had passed, and uh, she went out on a date with somebody and while she was on the date with somebody, she found out that he was an author. So she was curious, and long story short, finds out that he is the author of the book she didn't like. But she met the author. And she fell in love with the author. And then she went back and she devoured the book that the author had written. See, how does that apply to this? When you read this, it's not should, better, have to, ought to, or God will be upset with you. That's not this book. The author of this book is God, said you wanna know me? You wanna know who I am? You wanna know what I love? Do you want to know what pleases me? Do you want to know what makes me sad? That's why we read this. And we don't read it so that we get in line and do the right thing. We read this so that we can say, God, I want you. I love the law. I love the word because it's you who wrote it. And I want to separate myself and be different because everything you did for me, you saved me, and I want to be different because of you. And God, I want to respond to you with the things that can be so precious to us, which is our tithes and our offerings. And we want to give the first and the best back to God. That's that relationship. It's a relationship with God that causes us, stirs inside of us, and says, I want to. Would you pray with me? God, our world is so broken. And right now, with this COVID 19, there's such uncertainty. Thank you that you're the same. You were the same before COVID, you're the same now. You love us, you care about us. You come into our broken lives, our broken worlds, not with have tos, but with your grace and your kindness and your love. And you encourage us to grow in our relationship with you through your word. Help us to read it to know you better. Help us to start today to get to know you better, and then to live the way you want us to live just out of our love for you. And boy, God, help us to love others. That can be really tough at times. Help us to love every person in our life with a love that comes from you that would be so noticed by them that we have a relationship with you. God, thank you for what you've done for us. And thank you that we have a chance to respond back to you each and every day. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. Please share with friends and family and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.